Millie Ann. Ms. Goodnight bustled back into her room. She'd just completed her third meeting of the day, this one a PLT meeting for her second PLC group, which followed an IEP meeting into which she was roped for a student she didn't know, which itself followed an impromptu parent meeting when Mrs. Bigsley showed up unannounced, demanding to know why her son, Clayton, was failing nearly every class. Ms. Goodnight explained that Clayton was failing because he didn't do any of his work and ate paste to entertain his friends a fact that did not seem to faze his mother. It says in his IEP that he has room to wander, she replied. Stunned, Ms. Goodnight excused herself. She had other students to worry about, like Jordan Lee, who never had anything to eat but liked to bite her classmates, and Miles Gunderson, who slept through every lesson but gleefully explained to anybody who would listen that he stayed awake all night playing video games. Then there was Millie Ann Taylor, who, while she didn't eat paste, had always had enough to eat. And while she did not once take a chunk out of, or even gnash her teeth at, any of her classmates, was singular enough of a problem for Ms. Goodnight to create her own Millie Ann Taylor file. And of course, her classroom was spattered with blood. Red spray, as if from a hacked-open artery, coated the children's chairs. Wadded-up hunks of discarded organs, dripping with blood, were scattered all over the tables. A severed head was perched upon a stack of papers on her desk, Scalps hung from the ceiling like hairy spiders. This, after all, was the reason she spent four years in undergraduate school and two years in graduate school, to teach special needs eighth graders how to make a good house of horrors for the school-wide Halloween celebration, all while making it engaging and educational. Ms. Goodnight herself was outfitted in a white surgeon's smock, though her chest and stomach were so coated with viscous red ooze as to render any future laundering futile. She chuckled a little bit, wondering what Mrs. Bigsley thought when she saw her son's teacher dressed like this. Maybe that's why she didn't say anything when Ms. Goodnight left. Ms. Goodnight checked her watch. Shoot. Nearly 2.30. Her class was in gym with Mr. Powers until the end of the day, but the meeting about Millie Ann was in 15 minutes. Sorry I'm late, she said, bustling into the conference room. Mr. Tull, her bespectacled, balding, and rather constipated principal, sat at the head of a long table. To his right sat Mrs. Burton, Millie Ann's case manager. Mrs. Taylor, Millie Ann's mother, sat at the middle of the table, staring vacantly before her. Millie Ann sat at the other end, two seats away from the nearest adult, rocking and staring at the ceiling as usual. 
She wore a yellow summer dress with white daffodils and open-toed sandals with elevated heels. It was her favorite outfit. This would not have been a problem if she didn't wear it every day, even as the weather grew colder, even in the snowstorm the year before. Ms. Goodnight smiled. Millie Ann was small for her age, and sometimes she shucked the sandals and walked around the room on the tips of her toes, almost like a ballerina. Her calf muscles were bowling balls. It was cute, even if Millie Ann was almost 14. She did not seem at all concerned with the presence of such esteemed and knowledgeable adults. Any other child might cling to her mother or stare wide-eyed around her, but Millie Ann hated physical contact, and the outside world rarely seemed to register. And if it did happen to intrude, as it did today, she met it with puzzled indifference, or ignored it completely, or, as was the case in SOL practice a few days before, with unmitigated horror. Uh, uh, Mrs. Taylor, Mr. Toll drawled, I'd like to apologize for Ms. Goodnight's lack of consideration. Ms. Goodnight swallowed her protest, but was unable to keep her face from flushing. We here at Forest Glen Elementary value our parents' time. We understand you had to take time off of work to get here today. And time away from my planning, Ms. Goodnight added. She slid into the seat across from Millie Ann's mother. Mr. Toll's head swiveled toward her, as if his neck were on greased hinges. Ms. Goodnight, this is not the time for this discussion. I will not tolerate subversiveness. Mrs. Taylor stared at all of them, her jaw slack, her eyes dead. She was a small, wan woman with rumpled hair, rumpled makeup, and a rumpled maroon shirt. The words, bottom of the barrel, were sewn onto the breast pocket, and the rest of it was stained with a variety of condiments, yellow mustard, red ketchup, a few unmentionable green gobs. Bottom of the barrel was a local discount grocery store. Mrs. Taylor worked in the deli. Mrs. Burton cleared her throat. If everybody's ready. She arranged the stack of IEP papers sitting in front of her. Mrs. Taylor, we're here to discuss an update in Millie Ann's IEP, as requested by you following the first quarter. I didn't request nothing, Mrs. Taylor said. Millie Ann did all that. Mr. Toll chuckled. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mrs. Taylor. That's impossible. I'm reading right here that it says you called about the meeting. Millie Ann asked me to. Mr. Toll turned his lidded attention upon the child sitting at the end of his table, seeing her as if for the first time. Is this true, young lady? Millie-Ann did not answer. She rocked and stared at the ceiling, rocked and stared. Mr. Toll slapped the table with the palm of his right hand. Every adult in the room flinched. Millie-Ann stopped rocking. Her eyes slowly focused on her surroundings. Young lady! Millie-Ann stared at him, her eyes growing wider and wider. Mr. Toll, Ms. Goodnight hissed. Mr. Toll slapped the table again. Millie-Ann's hand shot up to her ears. She began to wail long and loud. She don't like loud noises, Mrs. Taylor explained. Mrs. Burton got up and walked around the table to Millie Ann, who continued to wail. She knelt down before her, careful not to touch her or make any motions that might be interpreted as an attempt to touch her. She calmly spoke to the child, her voice low and soothing. Millie Ann's wail lessened in volume, and soon she stopped altogether. Mrs. Burton managed to get her to take her hands down from her ears. Soon she was staring at the ceiling again, rocking and staring, rocking and staring. Mr. Toll looked around and blinked. Is she calmed down? He asked. Young lady, are you okay? He raised his hand again as if to slap the table. She can't take loud noises, Dale, Mrs. Burton snapped. Mr. Toll nodded slowly. He lowered his hand. Mrs. Taylor, I understand there were some uh, incidents in Ms. Goodnight's class this week. There were no incidents, nothing unusual for her condition, that is. 
Mr. Toll grunted. Hmm. He flipped through a few papers he held in his hands. Hmm. If there were no incidents, why did, uh, why did Mr. and Mrs. Lee call me up to complain about loud screaming during SOL practice? That loud screaming of the variety I just witnessed coming from this student's mouth a few minutes ago. Millie Ann started to whisper to herself, green and black, not wet since Monday. The heat kicked on, pumping warm air into the conference room. Ms. Goodnight winced. It smelled a little like ammonia, acrid and metallic. Mrs. Burton sneezed, followed by a great whooping cough. Excuse me. She wiped her nose with a tissue taken from her pocket. Seasonal allergies. Mr. Tull, Ms. Goodnight said, what Mr. and Mrs. Lee did not tell you was that their daughter was tormenting Millie Ann while we were practicing. Tormenting? Yes, she was whistling. Whistling? A very high-pitched whistle just to bother Millie Ann. She don't like high-pitched whistles. Can't abide no loud noises tall. Don't like to touch the floor with her heels, too. Been walking on her toes since she learned how to stand. Her arch has collapsed. Uh, even so, she disrupted a very important practice session for the practice standardized test coming up next week. Millie Ann doesn't even need to take the test, Ms. Goodnight sighed. Doesn't need to take the test? Millie Ann whispered, green and black, not wet since Monday. She scored perfectly on every practice SOL I've given her since August, Ms. Goodnight said. She even corrected the spelling errors on the last one. Scoring well on the practice test is impressive, but that still doesn't exempt her from the real test in May. She has a photographic memory. Show her a map of America after the Louisiana Purchase for one second, and she can draw it for you perfectly. Mr. Toll turned to Mrs. Burton. Mrs. Burton, what is your take on this child's alleged genius? Well. She has started a number of science projects since August. Mr. Holmes was fixing that leaky pipe in the ceiling last week, and she got him to give her some samples from the air ducts, but... But what? Well, she starts a lot of experiments, but she never completes any of them. She hacked again three times in a row, short, violent bursts. Excuse me. Never completes any of them? She's like that at home, too. Gotta clean up after all these explosions in the bathroom. Mr. Toll's jaw dropped slightly. She's mixing explosives? I don't know what she's doing. Always scraping stuff off the shower curtain, setting it on fire. About near burned out our basement after it flooded last spring. All of a sudden, Millie Ann began to moan again. Another long, low sound, like a building siren, that quickly ramped up to a high-pitched wail. Mr. Toll slapped the table with his palm several times in succession, and Millie Ann leaped out of her seat. Green and black and dry! 50% wet in the leaky pipe! Green and black and dry! Mr. Toll continued to slap the table. Mrs. Taylor got up and went to Millie Ann. Sometimes you just gotta take her out. She wiped her nose. Damn nose is running. Excuse me, Mrs. Burton said, and she hurried out of the conference room, one hand over her mouth and one on her forehead. She nearly ran over Millie Ann, who was still screaming, even through her mother's hand. Uh, Mrs. Burton has a seasonal allergies pretty bad, Mr. Toll said to no one in particular. Ms. Goodnight shoved a load of papers and supplies off her desk. 
Pencils flew, crayons clattered, and the rest crashed to the floor. She sighed and collapsed into her chair, which nearly tipped over, rocking backwards until it came to a rest against a filing cabinet. This was nice. Her feet dangled in the air. She could feel the blood flowing back into them. Her head listed to one side, and she found herself staring out the window. Leaves, gold and orange, coated the ground. The wind kicked up, shaking the branches of a tree just outside the window, shaking more gold and orange into the air. They floated gently to the earth. Ms. Goodnight let her head loll the other way. The overhead lights were too bright, so she closed her eyes. Suddenly, she jerked awake, nearly tipping the chair over. How long had she been asleep? She looked at her watch. Phew, only ten minutes. She leaned back again, summoning the strength to stand up and go home. A dark splotch in the shape of a bell stained the ceiling tiles above her. Was that fake blood? Clayton Bigsley. How did he get it all the way up there? No, he couldn't have, not without a ladder. The splotch spread as she watched it, changing from a bell into a large blob. The heat kicked on. Something acrid struck her nostrils. Ammonia and dirt, stronger than before. Her eyes began to water. A scream sounded out down the hall. Ms. Goodnight tried to set her chair upright but found that she was too nauseous to move. The stains spread out from all four corners of the room, and the air was heavy. She took labored, deep, gasping breaths. The last thing she noticed before her vision failed was that the stain was a glistening, slimy green, and that there were little particles, little black particles, shooting out of the air vent. Millie Ann's mother would have said goodbye when she dropped her off, but Considering the fact that Millie Ann had never said goodbye to anyone in her life, and considering the horrid wailing the little girl emitted for the hour after she was told she was going to school, and considering the kicking and punching and other fits she threw on the way in, her mother decided against any pleasantries altogether. Instead, she put the little girl, still sniffling, out on the curb, her customary backpack clapped to her back, and sped away, late, again, for her shift at bottom of the barrel. Millie Ann moaned as she stared at the front door. A cold wind blew dead leaves skittering across the concrete. The flag line clanged against the pole. In the distance, she thought she heard the playful yelling of children, most likely at the bus stops. They're always at the bus stops when she passes them, and it's only six and a half minutes from the last bus stop to the front of the school. As if on cue, the front door swung slowly open. Millianne stood there, staring intently inside. All she could see was darkness. Ms. Goodnight usually met her at the curb and walked her in, and the lights were always on and the secretaries always shuffled about inside. But not today. Today there was just blackness. Dead blackness. Then she saw them. The principal, Mr. Tull, and Mrs. Burton, and the gym teacher, and her sixth grade math teacher, and dozens of the other teachers all emerged from the gloom to loom pale in the shadows of the lobby. In front of them all stood Ms. Goodnight. Her eyes were wide and black, the whites tinted green. In the distance, Millianne heard the roar of the first bus. No doubt it was filled with children. Millianne, Ms. Goodnight said, reaching for her, come here.
thank you for tuning into the Mad Tales podcast. I hope you enjoyed this week's chapter. If you cannot wait until next week to finish the story, you can always buy it in ebook and paperback form from Amazon.com, or you can buy it directly from me, both in ebook and in paperback, a signed paperback nonetheless, uh, from my website, www.jamesnoll.net. That's www.jamesnoll.net. And if you would love to support me on Patreon, I would love you to support me on Patreon. I'm offering all kinds of cool extras, including access to bonus material, uh, the ebooks released one week at a time, the chapter at a time, uh, customized short stories. And if I can build enough of a following, I want to film a live action version of Make the Hive Great Again, one of my favorite chapters from The Hive. It's uh, at the end of the first season. It's the very last chapter of the, of the first season. That would be an awesome thing to do. So if you want to visit my Patreon page, it's www.patreon.com slash madtails. That would be fantastic. And I will see you guys next week.